have been talking about, uh, we've been sharing from God's Word why we do certain things, why, why we believe certain things. It's not a reset. This is, again, not new information to many, but it's a great reminder for those who've been around for a while, and it is new information perhaps for those who've been here just a short time. Why do we do certain things? Why do we believe certain things? Why do we proclaim certain things? And, and there was even one Sunday several weeks ago where we said there are, there are some reasons why we don't do certain things. <coughs> this morning, well, let, me, let me back up. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we talked about how, how, why we proclaim the cross of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, we we shared how, why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last week, why we desperately need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, this week I want to share with you why we wait for Jesus' return. Why, why, why is that important to us? Why do we wait? Why do we talk about the return of Jesus Christ? Part of it is sequence. And you'll see that here as we go into the Word. And so I'd like you to take your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them uh, and turn to Acts chapter 1, the first chapter of Acts. And if you were here last week, you were saying that's where we were last week. But again, there's a sequence here. Acts chapter 1, really, uh, uh, while it's the very beginning of 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 a book, one of the books of the Bible, it's a very powerful text because it's the, the launch pad. It's the beginning of the church in Acts chapters 1 and 2. And Acts chapter 1 records the physical departure of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 4 and following read this way. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with promise was fulfilled. That promise, the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, came on what we call the day of Pentecost, and the world would never be the same. We looked at that last week. In verse 9, then, it records that Jesus was taken up into heaven. Wouldn't you love to see that? Wouldn't you like to, wouldn't, maybe when we get to heaven, we'll get to see how it really happened. We'll see the recording, if you will, or, or the replay of that. Jesus, it, it's, we know that it was in the area of the Mount of Olives, just to the east of Jerusalem, not very far away. And, 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 and it says that, that Jesus began to lift off the earth. <laughs> and, 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 he was, and he was taken up into a cloud, behind a cloud. And, and it must have been very, very powerful. We call this the ascension. Jesus ascending into heaven. His physical body ascending into heaven. Now, it is physical because, remember, he, he, he hung on the cross, died, rose from the dead, not just a, a, a spirit, but a physical body. People touched him. It's recording after the resurrection that he ate food. People touched him. They saw his scars. They knew that he was alive. They heard him speak. They saw them with their eyes. Hundreds of people did. And then here on this ascension day, Jesus lifts up, lifts off, and goes into heaven, and they watched him go. Verse 10 says, the disciples watched Jesus ascend, and they're watching him. So picture this in your minds. They're they're seeing him, and he's talking to them, and all of a sudden, 
he starts to lift up, and they, they watch him go. And so the, the disciples, I used to have a picture of this hanging in my office. The disciples are looking up into heaven, and the Bible says in verse 10 that suddenly two persons appear. They're dressed in white. I think it's very safe to assume that these are angelic beings. Angels in Scripture were often messengers of God, and they're operating in that role here. And these two angelic beings are standing with them, not, not speaking down to them from heaven where Jesus is, but standing beside them. And, and these angelic beings, uh, they give the other promise. It, it, was, it was a promise for the disciples and for us. And it also involved waiting. Look at verse 11 again. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Do you, do you see the promise there? The promise is that just as you have seen Jesus go, he is going to come back. They promise this. Just as you've seen him go into heaven, he will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. It was a promise. Now, this promise we're still waiting for. As I mentioned a few moments ago, that first promise about the promised Holy Spirit, they waited about 10 days. We continue to wait for this promise that these two angelic beings gave to the disciples and to us. We're still waiting for that promise. In fact, hundreds of generations have waited for Jesus' return. Look at any point during history from that time until this time. There were followers of Jesus Christ that looked at a calendar, and many of them didn't even have calendars. But they, 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 they realized this is a long time following, but we're still waiting for Jesus to return in much the same way that he left. They've read this text here in, in Acts chapter 1, and they, 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 have, they have wondered when Jesus is going, to, is going to fulfill that particular promise. We're still waiting. He's not yet returned in the way that he left. He's not re yet returned. And yet in that time, in those nearly 2,000 years, millions and millions and millions of followers of Jesus Christ have seen him through their death. One way or the other, we're all going to see Jesus face to face. Do you realize that, that you might be, we might be a part of the generation that actually sees Jesus return? We might be part of that generation that is caught away. We use the term rapture that, will, that you'll not find in Scripture, but it means to be taken away. We might be that generation in which Jesus returns and takes his church. We're still waiting for that promise. But either way, whether we see him come in much the same way that he left, or if we see him following our death, either way, we're waiting, aren't we? We're waiting. We're waiting. When's it going to happen? When am I going to see Jesus face to face? Am I going to be? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for his return. There have been a number of days in my life where I've thought, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day when I'll see him face to face. Doing a little bit of reflecting, and I won't go into the details of each one at all, but there have been, that I know of, there have been 
four times in my life when I knew that I was this close to seeing Jesus face to face. As a child, as a young adult, even as an older adult. There were many, maybe in your life as well, you can look back and, and you knew that you, that you were this close to seeing Jesus face to face. You, you, were, you were this close and just one little jerk of the wheel and, 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 and it spared you from death, and, but you were that close to seeing Jesus face to face. Maybe you had a disease or you had some kind of an injury and, and you were so close to seeing him face to face, but maybe you're like me and you're wondering, when, am, when, am, when is it going to happen? Is today the day? Maybe it's this month. Maybe I'm going to see him before April is out. Maybe this year. Maybe, maybe last July 1st was the last New Year's Day that I'll... January 1st is the last New Year's Day that I'll ever see. Oh, maybe this is the last year that I'll ever experience. Have you ever thought that? Maybe this is the year that he's going to return. or Maybe this is the year that he's going to take me through death. Maybe... Sometimes as we get older or we're facing some kind of an illness, we wonder, Lord, how, how soon is it going to be? I'm waiting, Lord, but I know that someday soon, maybe sooner than I think, I'm going to see you face to face. We're waiting. But what happens when we wait? What happens when we wait? I read throughout the Word of God and how, how God gave promises to people and then and then they waited years. Moses waited years. Joseph waited years. Uh, Peter waited 13 years for some things. Uh, godly people were given promises, but then they waited years. What happens when we wait? There has to be a purpose that, that if God has kept me alive and, 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 and I didn't die then, I'm still waiting to see him face to face. When is it going to happen? I don't know. There has to be a reason in the waiting. Otherwise, upon accepting him, we would just be whisked away, snatched away into heaven. Wouldn't that be something? You give your heart to Jesus. You come to a service, and you, you come up here, and you respond to salvation. You walk forward, or you raise your hand, or you pray a prayer, and all of a sudden, you're whisked away. I'll tell you what, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if, if that would be really good for evangelism or really bad for evangelism. But there has to be a reason for after he saves us and then doesn't bring us, come to get us, or, or take us through death, there has to be a reason in the waiting. Why are we waiting for Jesus' return? For one, waiting keeps us close to him and ready to go. Let me say that again. In the waiting, as, as I'm waiting to see him face to face, either through death or through his return, waiting keeps us close to him and ready to go. There are many of you this morning, um, and in some cases it's been a long time since you were the parent of a newborn, but we have a lot of parents here at AFA. Uh, and most parents, those of you who are parents, even if it was a long time ago, you know, you know that, that nothing is so anticipated as the arrival of a new baby right? Few things are as, are as exciting as the arrival of a new baby. And, 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 people, and people who are expecting babies live differently, don't they? Have you noticed that? Remember that? People who expect babies very, very close, they live differently. They stay close to home. They don't go on trips. They say, I'm not leaving this weekend. I know that's a nice getaway, but I'm staying here because the baby might come this weekend or the baby might come this, this week. 
And, and, and they tell their doctors, don't you go on a trip either because we want you here, right? They live differently. They keep gas in the car. They, they, they keep the, the cell phones charged. I remember it's been a while since we've had a, a newborn baby, but I, I remember for, for weeks leading up to I backed the car in. Man, I was ready to go. Everything was ready, right? What do we do? We put little bags by the door with, with, a, with you know, a change of clothes or, or a book or something to read, whatever. It's ready to go so that in just a moment, uh, we used to, uh, after the first one, I found this out, after the first one with my wife, we put food in that bag because after she gave birth, she was hungry. We live differently, don't we? Because a baby's coming. A baby is coming, or in some cases, babies are coming. We're excited and we live with this anticipation that something big is about to happen and readiness, and, and, and you live differently because readiness could make the difference in our survival. Let me say that again. Readiness could make the difference in our survival. Listen to this. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, Be dressed in readiness. And keep your lamps on. He's speaking metaphorically here. But he, he says, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and he knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Again, Jesus speak, is speaking metaphorically here, and, he, and he's talking about his return. He says, blessed is the person who is, my paraphrase, who is ready and waiting and anticipating my return, that they're ready to go. It says here in this, in this text that you see before you, it says that we're to be ready. It says that we're to be waiting. It says that we're to be on the alert. The, it doesn't say anything about trying to figure out the times or the exact dates or all of that foolishness. But what it does say, it says, be ready. Be alert. It's interesting. I just A moment ago I mentioned about, uh, about babies, people having babies and how they live differently. It's interesting that at the other end of life, it's interesting how some people carefully prepare for their demise. I have known people who, I mean, every detail is worked out. Their life insurance is paid up. Their cemetery plot is picked out. The words are chosen for their headstone. Persons are selected as pallbearers. Everything, and I'm not saying these are bad things. These are, these are good things. But I have seen so many people who have the smallest detail arranged for their demise, and yet they never prepare their spirits that will live someplace forever. Isn't that interesting? Oh, I'm ready to go. The will is all drawn up, and this is how it's, the estate is going to be dispersed. I have it all lined up. This is what I've known some people. They've already drawn up the menu for their, for their funeral, the lunch afterwards. Almost always involves Kessler's potato salad. I've just found that out as a pastor. In this area, anyway. You can't have a funeral without potato salad. Did you know that? You cannot have a funeral without a potato salad. Every detail. And yet, the, the, their, their, prepa their preparation, their anticipation for what's going to happen to the eternal part of them who's, that's going to live someplace forever, they give no thought whatsoever. I find that fascinating. But we're, we're waiting. 
we're told to wait with anticipation, with expectancy, with alertness, to be in readiness. We're waiting for His return. If we're mindful that our lives could end at any moment, think of this, if we're mindful that our lives could end at any moment, or if we're, if we're totally aware that at any moment Jesus could come for His church and take us together, if we're mindful that, that our lives as we know it could end at any moment, I'll tell you something, we will live differently. If you live with that expectation, you will live differently. You'll remain closer to Jesus. You won't so easily, we won't so easily give in to the things that threaten to damage or destroy our walk with him. If Jesus is coming either, either to get me either through death or through his return, one way or the other, I'll tell you what, I'm going to live differently because today might be the day. I might not see noon today. You might not see noon today. We just don't know. But if we live with that awareness, today could be the day, then our lives are going to be different for waiting for his return. Here's another thing. In waiting for his return, we won't become overly comfortable with this world. If, we're, if we are waiting for his return, if we are living with that kind of expectation and anticipation, then we will not become so comfortable with the world around us. Let me tell you, friends, there's something far beyond this world. Let me say that again. There's something more than this life. Glory to God. I'm grateful for that. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so... I would have told you. For I go to prepare, I, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus was saying here, again, this is John chapter 14. This is a little while before he ascended into heaven. But Jesus was essentially saying this. I am going to leave and I'm going to go prepare a place for you and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you so that some great and glorious day we're all going to be together. Jesus said that he is preparing an eternal home for his people. And if we truly believe that this world is not our final home, if we truly believe that, this, that there's more than this, if we know that our ultimate home is with Jesus Christ in heaven, then we will see this world differently. You will perceive this world differently. You will perceive the things of this world differently if you know that this is not the ultimate end. I once read about a man. He was, uh, as I recall, he was a well-known person on Broadway, or he, he became well-known on Broadway as an actor and a singer many years ago. But before that, he was incarcerated for years in a penitentiary, and I've forgotten exactly what he was incarcerated for. It really doesn't matter. But for years, he served time in a penitentiary, and one of the dangers of that is that people can become institutionalized. They can become so so aware of and so uh, used to, accustomed to penitentiary life that they have a hard time adjusting to life 
outside the penitentiary. But this man, when he was released, unlike a lot of people, unlike a lot of former inmates, he adjusted very quickly and he adjusted really quite well outside the prison walls. Someone was talking with him some years later and they asked him how he re-entered society with comparative ease. And this, this is the man's response. He said this, quote, unlike my fellow inmates, I never decorated my cell. Think about that for a moment. He said, unlike my former cellmates, I never decorated my cell. I wonder if sometimes we spend too much time decorating our cells thinking that this life is all there is. I wonder if some people think, I only have a, and, and everyone knows this whether they'll acknowledge it or not, but I wonder if some people think all I have, in fact I know that they think this, this is all the time that I have. I'm getting older, the clock is moving forward and, and I don't have much time. I only have a certain amount of time so I have to pack as much as I can in the years that I have remaining. I have to extend it as much as I can and I have to do everything I can. I have to make it wonderful. I have to make this world my heaven because... I don't have the assurance of anything beyond here. And I wonder if, in thinking that way, there are many people who have a really hard time anticipating the next world because they're spending time decorating their cells. There's a, someone I know quite well and have known for a long time who, who recently declared, I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait to see my eternal home. And I thought, that's powerful. That's the way that we're supposed to live. I, I, I'm not looking forward to the process of death, right? None of us are. And yet, what's beyond that? I get a, I get a wonderful presence of God in heaven, and, and, and I'm going to be there with those who've gone before me, and, and it's going to be so much more wonderful there than the nicest thing here. I want to live that way. That's what happens when we wait for Jesus. But also another thing, when we wait for Jesus' return, it gives us hope when this world presses in. Waiting for Jesus' return. Waiting for him, either, either his coming to gather his church together uh, in, in, in one great and glorious day, we might be in that generation, or whether he comes to see us and comes to get us through death. It gives us hope when this world presses in. In, in your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the very, if you have your Bibles, turn to the very last chapter. Very last book. I mean, right all the way to the right. Go as far as you can. Go all the way to Revelation chapter 22. As you're turning there to the very, very end of the book, I'll give you a little bit of background information. It was written by the disciple named John. He was the last surviving disciple. And he, he inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes this thing, this book called that we call Revelation. And, um, but he's writing it while he is in prison, actually on a prison island, for, for his faith in Jesus Christ. He's, he is incarcerated as well because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, verse 20 records Jesus' very last words, the, 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 the very last words of Jesus in the Bible. Jesus said in verse 20, Yes, I am coming soon. That's what Jesus said. 
Yes, I am coming soon. Five words. Jesus said, yes, I am coming soon. But then John, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, followed Jesus' words with this powerful affirmation. You see it in your Bible. John wrote, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen uh, does not mean, um, okay, we're done praying, let's eat. That's not what amen means. Amen means um, this is true. Uh, I I affirm it. What I, what I just said is, ab- or what was just said is absolute truth. That's what amen means. He says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Here's John. Think of this. Here he is. He's on this prison island and, and life is hard and life is pressing in. And, and all of his, his former colleagues, the disciples, they're all gone. Most of them, all of them, in fact, with the exception of John, all of them History records that they died for their faith in Jesus Christ. John's right, and things are hard for John. Things are painful for John. Things are difficult in the extreme. He has seen waves of persecution hit this this young church. We we figure he's probably in his 90s. Very old man for that time. And he hears the words of Jesus (laughs) I'm coming quickly. And John says, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Can't wait. I don't know about you, but I sometimes quote John's words. When I, when I read, we have a couple people in our church that are right now in Mexico ministering to persons who are in sex trafficking, who are trying to rescue them. When I hear or read or learn about a child that has been abused or trafficked or killed, you know what I say? Come, Lord Jesus. When I, when I along with many of you, observe the incessant, incessant attempts to normalize evil in our society, I I I pull back for a moment and I say, come, Lord Jesus. When I see the, the really bad choices that people make, the foolishness of persons in powerful places, I can't help it. I I say, come, Lord Jesus. When we look over and we see a loved one who is suffering, a friend or a family member who is suffering. Come, Lord Jesus. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we should live defeated or downcast. I'm not saying that we should just walk through life and go, oh, that's really bad. Oh, I just can't wait until Jesus. I'm I'm not simply saying that. But there's a part of me that says, oh, Lord, I look forward to the day when we'll no longer have to deal with some of this stuff. I'm not saying that we should live, walk through this life in a a hunkered down defensive position. And I know some people do. It's like just living with fear. I'm not saying that by any means. Uh, Of all people, Christians have true victory. Of all people, Christians should radiate joy, not gloom. But that being said, nevertheless, I will still be glad to someday be rid of the pain and the suffering and the struggle that is a large part of this life. 
<coughs> I look forward to the day when I will not see the daily reminder of the destruction of sin. <coughs> Finally, waiting for Jesus' return moves us to reach the lost. It moves us to reach lost people. Referring to his return, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, There shall be two men in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. And one will be left. Those words are disturbing. Those words are disturbing. There have been many, a converse, many conversations I've had with many of you over these many years now. There have been many conversations I've had with some of you and I've talked about the Lord's return and, and on, 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 on a number of occasions many of you have said, I do look forward to the Lord's return but I hope not yet because I have a son, a daughter, a husband, a loved one, a friend who does not yet know Jesus. And if he were to come today, they would be lost. You ever felt that way? There have been times where I've said, oh Lord, I want to see you face to face but Maybe just delayed a little bit longer because <laughs> I want to see them come to you. See, the, the words that Jesus said there in Matthew 24, those words are disturbing, but they should also move us and burden us and drive us and stir us. Because when Jesus comes to take his people away, others will be left. Others will be left. <coughs> Some of those that you love the most will be left behind. Some who greatly influenced your life. Good people, but they'll be left behind. People that you have known who have done a whole lifetime of goodness and kindness and compassionate acts. But because they don't know Jesus yet, if Jesus returns or if Jesus comes and takes them in death, then, or if they die, they will be left and they will not be with Jesus Christ in heaven. That's a sad fact, and I say that with no delight. But you see, the Bible's very clear. There is a heaven to gain for eternity, but there's also a hell. And every person, every person, every person who's, who has ever lived or whoever will live will spend eternity in one place or the other. Jesus said one will be taken, and another will be left when he returns. When someone dies, some will be taken. Some will be left. Some will go to heaven. And sadly, many will go to hell. But we have a task. We have a task. Waiting for Jesus' return moves us to reach lost people. See, if we really live with anticipation, and if we really believe that today could be the day, if we really believe that life is so brief, and it is, then that should move us and say, oh Lord, let me, with the breath that I have and the strength that I have and the time that I have and the energy that you give me and the power and the gifting that you give me, oh God, may I use those things so that other people will be saved. If we really live with heaven in mind, it will make our lives different. My friends, Jesus is coming again. Why, why do we talk about the soon return of Jesus Christ? Why do we talk about that, that our lives are limited and that there is an eternity ahead. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And it could be very soon. 
Jesus is coming again. You are going to see him face to face sooner than you think. Jesus is coming again. So stay close to him. Stay ready to go. Live your lives with this sense of anticipation. Live your lives with an expectancy and an alertness, believing that with everything in you that soon and very soon we're going to see the king face to face. Don't become so comfortable with this world. Don't decorate yourself. Oh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy many things here in life. We just need to be so careful. This, this world is not all there is. Thank God. There's something so much more. Don't decorate yourself. When this world presses in, when this world presses in and we feel its pressure and we see the, the tragedies and we see the, the evil and when we see the destruction, look up. Look up as they did. Look up and say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And when we see lost people around us and when we see people struggling and hurting and wounded, may we wait for him and let the brevity of this life move us to reach lost people. Thank you, Dan. God has called each one of us. This morning you heard, you heard, this morning you heard the, 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 the prophetic word coming forth that, that God has gifted us. God has empowered us. I've challenged you this morning. He desires to use every one of us in the time that we have left. The time is short. Your time is short. My time is short. This life goes so quickly. But glory to God. Glory to God. He is coming soon. Use us in the meantime. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, when those disciples saw you go into heaven and then saw the angels beside them and heard their words for the rest of their lives, maybe every time they looked heavenward, maybe every morning they got up and thought, Maybe today's the day. I believe, Lord, that one of the reasons why that early church was so mightily used of you is not because they were close in time to your time when you walked the earth. But I believe, Lord, that one of the reasons they were so effective in reaching their world is because they were living with the anticipation that at any moment they would see Jesus. Lord, I want to live that way. I want to live in such a way that my life, things that I do, things that I say, They're different. That the things that I hold on to and the things that I let go are different from the rest of the world because I'm living with this expectation, this anticipation that something big is about to happen. Would you help us? The final moments, Lord, as we have looked into your word, I, I pray, Jesus, that we would leave this place 
changed. Looking up. Looking up. And declaring in our words and with our deeds. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Many years ago, I was a boy, about 12 years old. We were at a camp meeting. A guy by the name of Lowell Lundstrom was preaching. Some of you heard him. And he was preaching about uh, the return of Jesus Christ. And it was an evening thing. It was about 8 o'clock at night. And, and he was saying, and I mean, he had, had me absolutely convinced Jesus was coming back that night. And after it closed the service, man, I went to the altar and I came back and, and uh, my, my folks were talking to someone else. I'm not faulting them. They're just you understand the perspective of a 12-year-old kid. My folks were talking to someone else and they were saying, let's go to so-and-so afterwards and grab a bite to eat. And I remember thinking, Dad, Jesus is coming back by 10 o'clock. Why are we going out to eat? What's the matter with Didn't you hear that? He's coming tonight. I was convinced of it. Well, that's been about 40 years ago. I'm still waiting. And in a little while, you're all going to grab a bite to eat, and, and we're, we're all we're going to continue with our day. God, give us anticipation. Amen? Today could be the day. We might not get that lunch, and that's okay. We might live for another 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Huh? Jesus might not return in your lifetime or in mine. But I'm going to live today as if he's coming today. I want to live tomorrow as if he's coming tomorrow. One way or the other, I'm going to see him soon, face to face. What a day that will be. Jesus, your blessing upon my brothers and my sisters, as we go our way, Lord, may we go with the realization that Jesus is in our hearts. The Spirit of God empowers us today and that soon and very soon, one way or the other, we're going to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We live with that realization. Thank you, Lord. Your blessing upon us as we go someday as we gather there. Come Lord Jesus Maranatha Amen. God bless you. Go in the power Lord Jesus Christ in the anticipation of his return.